This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Production recording on the evening of March 31st. Opening day in baseball is tomorrow, uh, but we are obviously a hoops pod, keeping it hoops tonight. Rolling as always with my co-host Chip Murphy. Chip, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. No Andre Drummond for the Knicks. First That's podcast right. since Andre Drummond is a Laker. <laughs> we we are breathing a collective sigh of relief here at the Hoops Addicts Pod that Andre Drummond is not a Nick. Um, but who knows? Listen, he might look good for the Lakers, and then you know we're gonna get all those tweets coming back to us in terms of uh, all these Knicks fans who are like, no, no drumming on the Knicks. Um, but tonight uh, we are discussing the Boston Celtics and post trade deadline. We are very interested in the Celtics for a couple of reasons. Number one, because Chip and I are uh, pretty big fans of Evan Fournier. He's he is obviously a Celtic now, so we're very interested. Um, to see kind of how he does in a Celtics uniform, what he does for their chances in terms of turning their season around. To help us break that down and everything Celtics uh, in regards to the conversation, we have my guy, um, founder of the Playgrounder website, just overall good dude, Matt Esposito returning to the show. Matt, what's going on, man? How you doing? So I'm only going to tolerate a certain amount of Andre Drummond slander. And I agree with you guys. Um but it's just like I, we've gone over this before. So it's just a Connecticut thing. And he's actually from Connecticut. So, like, just know there's a limit. And when you get close to that line, you know, I'm going to have to push back a little bit. But we can. Yeah, you're going to have to check me. I saw you shaking your head immediately as I said, Drummond. And I was like, what's got. Oh, right. He's, it's Yukon. I- okay, <laughs> so, all right. So the Yukon the thing is for real. Um, shout out Paige Beckers for being the AP player of the year as a freshman she's amazing seriously have you seen like her actual stats they're through the roof they're just godly it's it's like she's the second coming and then next year they're going to get like her best friend who is also going to UConn who's supposed to be even better so UConn women are back but yeah so I mean look with Andre Drummond um do you guys so I don't I don't want to like freaking dominate and monopolize you no no go 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 off on drummond let's go off on drummond actually let me let me let me start off matt real quick let me me give you what because i know you actually wrote pieces on him and you went a deep dive into the stats into the film so i am interested to hear what you have to say this would be my drummond take right i know andre drummond is an elite rebounder he's a massive human being um and I was surprised when Chip and I did like a, I forget when he was drafted, but we did a redraft episode 
And I was very pleasantly surprised to know that he was third in the league last year in steals per game, which is pretty impressive for a big man. But that being said, um, like it, it would be tough for me to see a Knicks fit, right? Especially when we have Mitchell Robinson, who unfortunately now has a, a fractured foot and will be out for some time. But it would be tough for me to see a fit there, you know, because we are developing. We want to see if he's the center of the future. We also have Nerlens Noel, who's actually been a really, really credible backup for us. We've got solid 48 minutes of rim protection and shot blocking. Um, I guess, and this may be where you push back, but I just never felt like Andre Drummond's statistical production has led to um, wins. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm not sure, obviously when you play with LeBron James, everything is going to change. But to that, to what I just said, you would respond, what would you say? Okay, so you're, you're right um, on a lot of counts. Like, like there are, um, I'm not going to argue against um, him and his production and contributing to wins. And like when you look for Andre Drummond, you just have to look for the right fit. Because I do think there's a fit out there for him where he can help a team and, and play a significant role in actually being like significant, meaningful basketball games. Um, I don't know if that was with the Knicks. I agree with you guys. I don't think it fits the Knicks identity. Uh, I think the, he commands touches and I'm not sure you want him taking the ball away from some of the guys on the Knicks. You want to have the ball. So I didn't think it was a great fit there. Even in Los Angeles, like I think what, Drummond is going to do for them is he's going to maybe, you know, cause they have this crazy stretch coming up where obviously LeBron is out with the high ankle and they're going to take it easy with Anthony Davis and bringing him back. And so they're looking for someone who can kind of keep them afloat and maybe get them a win or two that they wouldn't have had. So they can avoid that play in realm. Um, cause that's actually in play for them, for the Lakers. So like, if we're talking about Andre Drummond fits, like there are some things he does really well. He and I would I would never suggest for anyone to go back and watch like Stan Van Gundy era Pistons film. Like, don't do that. So just please just take my word for it. Like, find a better way to spend your time. No, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond basketball is not something you want to see. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, I'd, I'd rather like, you know, put my forearm through a potato peeler than do that. <laughs> but, but he was uh, there was a year when he was like a really good passer. And the ball yeah. moved through him. He can do that. He has that skill set. So it depends on the right team. I don't think the Knicks were it. Um, I, that being said, like on the Lakers, yeah, he's going to look good next to LeBron. But you know what? When and I'm going to use a phrase that I absolutely hate, but like when it comes like nut crunching time, I just hate the imagery of that. Um, he's not going to be playing. He's not going to close playoff games for them. Like he's not. Right. So. Yeah. It's just like, I'm waiting for him. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for him to have his Bobby Portis moment because Bobby Portis finally went to the Bucks and was in a defensive scheme that like, listen, if you can make Brooke Lopez an all defensive team player, it's about the scheme. It's not about Brooke Lopez as a talent, right? So like we're waiting for Drummond to find that one fit where someone can maximize his strengths while minimizing his flaws. And it's not with the Knicks, it's not with the Lakers. I don't think it was with the Celtics. I'm happy he didn't go to the Celtics as much as I would love to see him in Kemba like other Huskies just somehow join that team magically. But um, whatever Drummond take you guys have for the Knicks, it's 100% right. I can tell you that. What um, the yeah. one, the, just to play devil's advocate, actually, to, 
I do remember – to go back to Bobby Portis for like a quick second though. I mean like the point you make about fit is super on, on point because, you know, Nick's Twitter couldn't stand Bobby Portis last year either, right? And we clearly know Bobby Portis can play basketball. Like we've seen that. And part of that is talent and part of that is David Fisdale had no clue what he was doing last year. And Portis wasn't really – there was a lot of people that weren't used or, or you know – well, let's not let Portis off the hook completely. He uh, Portis is a really good player, but he he was dogging it on defense a little bit too. Like a lot of those guys were, understandably. And he he wasn't like a great rebounder either, but he he was a lot better than we. He was an easy target for us, and we got on him a little bit. And he was, I mean, he was an easy target, but he he was also in a contract here. He was looking to get his. I, in hindsight, he was obviously a really good guy. You can see that by his Twitter. He's a nice guy, and I right. feel bad for dogging him as much as I did. <laughs> He's just trying to get another contract. I don't blame him. And it was fun. that Bobby Portis game against the Bulls was really fun to watch, though. It was. Yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome game. Um, yeah. He, but he had some moments, um, and he has those Bobby Portis eyes that, like, yeah. freak <laughs> everyone out. Out of everybody. But, that, you know, that's, in my opinion, like Drummond has to find his Bobby Portis team. And I, I don't know where that's going to be in his next contract. Um, hopefully there's, there's a team out there for him, but I don't know. Raptors, yeah. maybe? They were interested, right? I think if there's were. a coach who can do it. Like, it, it would be Nick Nurse. Um, Raptors, I think, like, I could see a team like Portland. I mean, Portland's my go-to for every player like that's a dice roll just because right. i want them to like do something for game um like i'm gonna start a petition <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um so they can get him some help and actually take his career seriously but i don't know what what are you so you guys are relieved that drummond didn't go to the knicks i'm, I'm that's what i'm yeah. on some level i mean like i you know it's funny as soon as mitchell robinson got hurt there were some people in Nick's Twitter that were like, oh my God, like, you know, we, we didn't want this guy. I, I still, even, I still wouldn't have wanted him. And, and, and like, again, that's not to kill Drummond so much. I just like bringing him to this team. And, and the, here's the other thing. If he were to come to the Knicks, at least based on what I believe was reported and Chip, correct me if I'm wrong, it would have been because the Knicks were interested in long in offering him a long-term deal. That's, so that's right thought yeah it felt like the Knicks would have had to offer him multiple years but he would have gone to like the Lakers and Celtics on a one-year deal right they were contenders yeah so if we're gonna give him four three years 64 four years whatever it is like that to me would have been a pretty like major oversight for the front office just because we are a team that is developing and it's clear I'm not saying that we're going to be the 76ers we're clearly not tanking and just developing young guys like the Knicks front office with the hiring of Thibodeau, like they're going to make a swing for some, for some big game free agents, I think, or, or people via trade, I think within the next season or two. Um, but Andre Drummond is not the name I want uh, in terms of our first long-term signing for this regime. I think that would be a really rough sell. Um, and so that's really the, the, the big issue I had with it. But um I did want to kind of switch over to, to Evan Fournier. Um, Chip and I, as, as we mentioned before, are, are big fans. Just what was your first reaction to the deal? They get him for two seconds. You, you get to see him in your camp and, and decide what you want his future to be. 
Uh, was he was he the type of guy that you were hoping the Celtics would target at the, at the trade deadline? What were your your kind of initial thoughts? So a lot of Celtics trade exception, um, like a, a lot of people on their wish list, or at least on the wish list of Celtics fans, were like all on the Magic. And if you if you had everybody on the Magic, like I'm talking uh, Vucevic, Terrence Ross, Gordon and Fournier, if you had them all have equal contract lengths, let's say everyone had like a two-year contract, I think Fournier would have been on the top of the list, right? So like what kept him down a little bit and what Celtics fans are really questioning is this could be like a 30-game rental. And the trade exception was hyped up so much that a lot of people were thinking, all right, we're going to get Aaron Gordon, a guy on a descending contract for multiple years. Same thing with Vooch. Um, Didn't happen. But, you know, here, so here's like my first reaction to it was, first of all, this guy's a really good player, which signals that the Celtics think they're closer to at least making it back to an Eastern Conference Finals than what the consensus is. I don't know if I agree with that, but that kind of shows me their, their thinking. But more importantly, like even if Fournier is just a rental, um, I, I think there's a different significance to this trade. And I don't want to use the word symbolic, but it's symbolic in a sense. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to be plugged into the Celtics to assume that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have voiced their frustrations internally uh, to management, right? Like we can kind of just assume that. And they've said things to the press as well. I think this was a move Danny Ainge made and said, like, listen, star players, you know, star young guys, we're going to get you something. Like we hear you, right? I'm going to do something for you. I thought this was a trust building trade. And even if they don't resign him, which I think they are like and planning on doing so, but even if they don't like at the end of the season, Jason and Jalen can look back and say, you know what? Things didn't work out, but Danny Ainge has our back. Like we asked him for help and yeah, he couldn't get Vooch asking price was too high. Same thing with Aaron Gordon, but he listened to us and like he reacted to what we said. So that's how I see this. I mean, he, he had, in my opinion, he had to do something for not the fans, but for his two stars, just to say, listen, I hear you. And I'm, you know, I'm working with you guys um, because Jason and Jalen have only known success, team success. So I like it. I like it. And yeah, he sucked in his, in his opener for the Celtics. He was like, oh, yeah. Woo. Super, super disappointment. Um, but he's going to be really good. And he's exactly what the Celtics need. Uh, he, you know, he's someone who he's a starting level wing in this league and he can, he can hit shots. He actually gets to the free throw line more than any other guy in the Celtics right now, which they're like, they desperately need. He's really talented. I don't know if he's the ultimate missing piece, but uh, it, it, to me, it, it signals that the Celtics are looking to resign him and who knows, man, if, if both of the if both Jalen and Jalen or Jalen and Jason take a step forward next year, it could actually make Fournier like the missing guy to have them back into like Eastern Conference finals contention. So ultimately, I liked it. There were definitely other guys that like I would have been happier with Aaron Gordon for sure. Um, but I like Fournier. I, I like was just going to ask you, yeah, would you have been happier with AG or Vooch? And you just answer my question for me. Well, so, you know, I would have been happier with Aaron Gordon for sure, but I actually like this more than Vooch because that's just my philosophy on bigs. Like, the the archetype for a big that Robert Williams is, I love that. 
like I want my big man to be cheap, protect the rim, um, be able to keep the ball moving, and have like active hands. Uh, now, obviously, like everyone would love a Bam at a bio or a Jokic or an Embiid, but like um, the next archetype down for me is what Robert Williams is. And you know, Vooch makes the Celtics better now, but long term. I want a low-touch guy that's not taking the ball away from our best players, who is not aging, who has a monstrous wingspan and protects the hoop and, and, and does that. I just think that's like a more valuable archetype for like in regards to roster building, uh, which is why like I've been, uh, you know, I remember last time I was your podcast, I had a hot take about Mitchell Robinson, but like ultimately I'm high on him because as the Knicks develop, like you're going to want the ball in Randall's hand, hands and, and Barrett and quickly. Um, and, and whoever else, like, you guys pick up. Like, I don't want a big that's dominating if they're not on a talent level that's Embiid or Jokic or Davis right. or even Giannis, if you call Giannis a big. I don't even know what to call Giannis, to be honest. I don't know, I don't know man. You put Vooch with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then if Kemba looks anywhere close to himself again this year, that that's a hell of a team. Those three guys, I, I, I would have done that if I was the Celtics. I don't know what the asking price would have been, but – didn't seem like the Bulls gave up a lot. I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. isn't like an ace prospect, an A prospect, whatever. Like, I'm not sure what they asked the Celtics for. I don't know if I saw any reports on that. I, but didn't Cassie seem like they got fleeced. Yeah. Well, yeah, at first. Yeah, but I, I would have done that trade if I were the Celtics to get Vooch. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't like – I wouldn't have I wouldn't have criticized Ainge if he, if he made that trade. Like, it makes the Celtics better, and – if there is a scenario where things click and go right and they're competing again, um, it's just kind of like my, my personal belief on bigs regarding like age and skill set and right. if they're replacement level. And like, that's what Danny Ainge does. Like he, he does not, I mean, obviously he, he really coveted Anthony Davis. We know that, but for the most part, if you look at Ainge, that's his rep with bigs. Like he finds Daniel Tice, you know, he'll, he'll squeeze a year out of cancer. Um, he wants those cheap guys. So I wasn't surprised that they didn't end up with Vooch. Um, and, like, I'm like I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'd obviously be excited if they have him. Like, I'd be telling a different story. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, we got Vooch. Like, you know, we're, we're heading back to the Eastern Conference Finals. But we'll see. I'm, I'm happy. I'm not the happiest, but I'm happier than, what I, than where I was before the trade deadline. How much better do you think he, like, realistically makes him, Fournier? Do you think he – Cause he's, I look, I, I watch a, an unreasonable amount of Orlando magic basketball probably. And I've seen a lot of Evan Fournier and I've seen some absolutely brutal playoff performances from him. And he he's been dreadful. And that's part of the reason why Orlando magic fans were uh, fine. I would say with him leaving, but I, look, he's never played with anybody like Jason Tatum before and he's look Jalen Brown. He's got two. So I, I think he's going to be great for you guys. I think his ideal role is sixth man. So I think he'd be incredible, but yeah, like realistically, how much do you think he makes you guys better? Cause you've been obviously struggling this year. So first things first, what's an unreasonable amount of magic games to watch like 10, 15, like what's That's a the... great question, but I watch way more than 10 or 15. I've watched more than 10 or 15 this year. So anyone who comes up to me and is like, Hey, I've seen like 30 Orlando games this year. I don't know. Like that's someone who I put on my, like might, might see them in a newspaper headline someday. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you know what I mean? You know how they have like Florida, like it might actually be a Florida man. You know what I mean? Um, but no, I, the magic are one of those teams I keep tabs on too. And I don't know why there's, there's something about them, like just their odd collection of talent. Um, but, but just like to get back to your question, how much better does he make the Celtics? I don't want to say he is the swing player that their success depends on him. I'm going to like, I just have to withhold judgment for now. Although I do think that like, there is a chance that the Celtics gamble on Kemba's knee, not playing him back to back, that that actually pays off. Like there, there's a chance that they actually just get healthy. They're so freaking, even like, I just saw a tweet that like Robert Williams had to leave the game or some bullshit. I don't freaking know. Um, But if they're healthy and they play like consistently, just have consistent minutes together for chemistry. If the Celtics make the Eastern Conference Finals, which has kind of been the standard for Celtics fans the past handful of years, like Fournier will probably be the reason why. Um, that's how I look at it. I, I'm just not expecting that, if that makes sense. Like the Celtics, I feel like we've swapped like souls. Like you guys are on the, what are the Knicks fourth right now in the East? Yeah, yeah, I believe they're fourth. Even yeah. after last night's um, or whatever, I forget when it was. They, they lost recently, but um, I think they're tied for fourth with the Hornets. Yeah, this with is the weird. Hornets, yeah, this this is, is so it's weird. a very weird year. The horn and that the Hornets lost Lamelo Ball too, and they're still playing well. Yeah, I mean, ter- and you got to be looking at Terry Rozier like holy shit too. <laughs> Terry Rozier I mean, incredible for the yeah. Hornets. I loved him. I loved him on the Celtics. And, but everyone knew when it was like, when his contract was coming up, nobody was like, Oh, I don't know. He's going to break out. He's going to play this <laughs> role of not a point guard, just hit like 40% of his three. No one was saying that. Like we were happy to do that, that sign and trade um, for Kemba. But yeah, I mean like good for Terry Rozier because you know what he is like, he, he's a hooper. Like he's someone you find at like a suburban YMCA because his like, flight got delayed and he just wanted to get some shots mm. up. um so i'm happy for him and it's weird i feel like we're in the 90s like <laughs> i feel as though there's gonna be a weird knicks playoff moment and it's gonna be great and i'm gonna have to start doing stuff like lying about the amount of knicks games i watched this year to make it sound like i've oh i saw this coming the whole time you know <laughs> but i'm happy for you guys man i'm happy i'm not happy as a Celtics fan but i'm happy for my knicks friends and you guys earned it like the Knicks are doing stuff right, and please brag about it. Like tweet about it. Be happy. I'm happy for you. We're 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 in that weird mix where uh, we are happy. Trust me, we are happy about it. Um, but we're just not not uh, not counting our chips yet. Um, yeah. But there's enough games that have gone by in the season that I think we feel pretty confident about being a playoff team, at least being in the play-in tournament, whatever that is, play-in game. Um, so we'll see, man. I don't, I don't know. It's just so crazy. Well, I have, you know, I, I've been following the Knicks, not just because I get their, their games on cable. Um, but my, one of my hotter takes was, I'm not saying I would have selected RJ Barrett over John Moran. I, I don't it was think I would RJ Barrett take. <laughs> <laughs> when you see my face, my face, like getting red and flustered and, you know, um, but no, so I, I'm not saying I would have drafted Barrett over Morant, but I did try and make the case that RJ might have a higher ceiling based on 
his his IQ, his passing, his his physical build. And by the end of the year, we're going to start seeing like the jaw versus RJ takes if the season continues the way that it's going. We've How already guys- seen a little bit of that on Nick's Twitter. <laughs> a brief yeah. little feud between Nick's and Grizzlies Twitter about yeah. Ja versus RJ. <laughs> Let well, me also, guys- let me also support Matt here a little bit too, just to give some context into like how how legit he's been on RJ since he got drafted. So before um, I joined the playground or two, Matt Matt and I were just talking via DM, and I forget the date, but it was it was a long time ago. It was it was maybe mid season RJ's first season. I think I had recently written some type of um, film thing about him and, and whatnot. And Matt was like, listen, man, um, I'm writing this thing on RJ. Can you just give me a quote for it? Uh, just to kind of summarize what I'm writing for him. I I think this kid's going to be special. And this was when it was not popular to, to think RJ was going to be special. And he was like, I've just seen some passes that he makes and I know he's struggling and his shooting percentages are trash, but I've just seen some passes this kid makes. And like, he's, He's he's got a pro's mind at 19 years old, and his body already looks like he's 25, and it's it's only going to get better. So, to, to to also tie that to what Chip is just saying, Ja has been struggling this year, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Jaron Jackson Jr. being out for the whole year is going to well, be his three point shooting's been brutal. It's like. been no, that it's been brutal. He's he's also had to do a ton this year, yeah. um, but. Listen, man, the numbers don't lie. They look a lot similar, and, and that argument is not as blasphemous as, as it would have been last year, for sure. Yeah, and I was – listen, I was not saying those things publicly. These were like <laughs> – like at the time, it was like very like hush-hush, private. Like, you know, I'm saving this – I'm saving this this fiery take until the right moment. But, you know, something for me is – that I look at is – uh, I really value passing, not because of how, of what it actually does on the court, but to me, it's such an indicator of how you how you process the game. Like similar to a quarterback, right? Like, and the stuff that he was doing, I was like, all right, this guy's he plays the game at a at a at a skill level and at a pace that will eventually be dominant, right? And I just thought it was so clear to see, and like people, I thought got really amped up by John Moran and his awesome rookie year. And he earned all the accolades. Like I get that. But when I, when, when I watched John Moran, it's not like I was ever blown away by his shooting. Like, I don't think he's, I don't, I, I wouldn't say he has, he shoots an easy ball. So for me, I was like, okay, his shooting might be, uh, might regress the same way. Like Brandon Clark's shooting was going to regress because if, if you watched him, like the eye test and the numbers didn't match up, but like, you watch RJ Barrett and I don't, I still don't think RJ Barrett has a pretty three point shot, but you can at least see that like he has incremental positive changes and he works too hard. He's too smart. He's got the body. He's got the mentality. Um, he's every bit like I got laughed at. This was a take I did put out on, on social media. Like I got laughed at for saying that RJ better is just as special, if not a, a better passer than John Moran. If they're just different roles and people are like, Oh no, you got to watch the games. So it's like, no, you have to watch the games. Like, so I, I'm big on RJ, man. I'm, I'm, I'm huge on him. And it's just, God, Nick's fan. Oh, 
Nick's future is so bright, which is so weird to say. I, we really hope so. We really hope so. We just need mm. to make sure that we don't get in the way of it. I think that's the biggest thing. True. Um, I get that. But I also think RJ is very, like, moldable. Like, I think you can put him in just about any team, and he would find a way to have uh, – to really contribute. So – I love him, man. I love his game. I love everything about him. I love the Steve Nash connection. Everything, man. It's a, it's, it's definitely, um, it, it's, dude. Listen, I, I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's been so much fun to watch. Mm. Uh, the fact that he's just still so young and uh, has has a ton to grow. Like it's just, he's easy to root for, man. You hear him in the post game. Like there's a maturity beyond his years. Like you said, he processes the game different, and I think he legitimately cares about. Not just how he does, but how his teammates do and, and how that all contributes to winning. Um, and like you said, you know, it, it's been a different season this year for both teams, but the Celtics are obviously still there. One of the things I wanted to ask you is that they're they're four and six in their last 10 games. Um, we know that Evan Fournier has just started being on this team. Kemba Walker uh, is turning things around a little bit. Um, do you feel that this just is the 2020, 2021 Celtics. Um, and if that's the case, just what is your level of concern with this team one through 10 right now, if you had to scale it? All right. So those, those are kind of like two different questions. So I'll, I'll answer them in, in two separate ways. So <laughs> this is what the Celtics are this year. Like this is their season. Um, I, I would maybe would I be surprised if they had a first round exit? Hell no. Like, if, how do you watch this team and think, ah, they're going to turn it around? Nobody does that. It's it just, it just doesn't happen in sports. Like you can't play bad the entire year and then turn it around for the playoffs. It just doesn't happen. Like it, like, and there are some exceptions in terms of like, maybe with the Miami heat, but the Miami heat didn't intentionally suck. Like when they're bad, it's because they're dealing with injuries and, or they're, they're, you know, putting guys on load management and they have a remarkably unique culture that allows them to do that. Um, the Celtics just don't have it this year. It's been pretty obvious. See, once you accept that, you get your life back. Like, <laughs> like there are times when, you know what, I'm actually just going to not watch the Celtics tonight. I'm going to read a book on the Harlem Renaissance. <laughs> like, I'm going to do something better with my life. Um, or like, if it comes down, am I going to watch the UConn men play? Am I going to watch well, like the Celtics? Yeah. I'm going to watch the UConn men. Um, and obviously I still watch Sunday games and I still keep tabs, of course, but like, just accept that your life's going to be better. Now, how, how concerned am I like long-term? I'm not that concerned. Um, they have the talent they, like they have the two star players you need to potentially win a franchise someday. Um, I like, I, there's no question that they have the top end talent. It may not be totally developed yet, but my assessment of Jason Tatum is that one day, and when I say one day, like it could be as early as next year, he could be the best player on a championship team. Like he, I think he'll be that level of talent. I think Jalen Brown compliments him perfectly and Brown is still getting better. Um, Marcus Smart fits their team perfectly. I think I love Time Lord and the fit for that team. I actually think Pritchard is the ideal ideal point guard or he at least will be one day the ideal point guard to have next to those two like i i think if you have two star wings you should aim for uh, a van vliet ish point guard and i think he can be that he can defend he can 
he can create for himself. Like if the shot clock's winding down, he can hit open shots. Um, I like it. You know, the issue is, is Kemba. Hopefully next year he's fully rested because every you know, this year he rushed his surgery. He thought he was going to have an extra month to come back. He didn't. So I still believe in that. And ultimately I believe in Danny Ainge. Um, his track record is too good to underestimate him. So like long-term, I'm not that concerned. Um, but if there is a concern, it is that you have these two young star players who have experienced nothing but winning. And it's how do they come back from that? Do they get frustrated and want to leave, which is what the NBA is today? Or do they buck that trend and stay home with the Celtics and ride it out together? Cause they're still like ridiculously young. So this season it's, it's, it's done. Like I'm, Obviously, I'm going to watch and enjoy it and take it for what it is, but I'm not expecting the Celtics to even win a playoff series. Like, that's not my expectation. That's how bad they are. Um, but I'm not concerned long term. Maybe I should be, but I don't know. There's so only- what, what is it? Oh, sorry, Jeff. Go no, ahead. no, no. Chip, chip. Go, go, go. No, I was just going to say, what is it about this season then that's different with the de- with the defense, I mean? Because mm. the defense is obviously significantly yeah. worse than it has been in Stevens's years past. It's always been in the top half of the the league in defensive rating, particularly in most years. It's been top ten, sometimes top five. So, what would you point to that's been different? Is it just that Smart missed some games, or is there more to it? So, um, I think it's it's kind of like. Um, like a stew of different ingredients and each one plays a role. So like one of the things is Marcus smart missing games really hurts. He is their, their Draymond green. Like he is their linebacker out there, their whoever you want, whatever sports analogy you want to, you want to make, like he is their guy that calls out the defensive plays and like switches everything. I mean, he's, he's an all defensive team player. And as, as everyone knows um, him missing time hurts. What also hurts is, the minutes that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have had to play, it's, it's been ridiculous. And it's not just the minutes, but it's the offensive load. So like last season, when they have uh, Kemba, who's, who was healthier in, in Gordon Hayward and a healthier smart, um, and even guys like Grant Williams and, and, Rome, uh, and, and uh, Romeo Langford giving them minutes at times, like, Jalen and Jason could do what they did offensively and still, and, and, you know, be awesome defensively. Um, I think both Tatum and Brown ended up getting all defensive team votes last year, but this year they're having a bigger offensive role. And for me, it's, it's not that like there's less desire from them to play defense. I just think they're tired and they're picking and choosing their spots kind of the way we've seen Kawhi do it. LeBron do it. We've seen Kevin Durant do it. Um, I think that's what's happening. They, they have good defensive DNA. Like, the scheme hasn't changed. Um, I, I, th- I think it comes down to minutes and how they're – like, when their offensive expectations jump, sometimes the def- defensive output takes a step back. So – but, you know, that being said, if the Celtics were third in the East right now and had a whole, whole new vibe to their season and they thought, yeah, we just got Fournier, like – we have a, I think we have a chance to go back to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think you would see the defense simply be better because there would be more buy-in. When you're blowing games in the fourth quarter, it's hard to, you know, every single night come back. 
and and be like, all right, we're going to dig in. So it's a combination of things, right? It's some personnel issues. Um, Trishan Thompson started the season just not in shape, which sucks. Like you're getting paid $10 million, like be in shape. It's not that hard. Um, and then the other bigger offensive roles, but you know, it, again, long-term it's, I don't think those guys are going to disappear defensively. I think it's just a super weird season and that's what I'm going to kind of chalk it up to for now. Yeah. How much of it would you say falls on Stevens? Because it felt like this was just kind of a fluky thing. Like, you know, we saw with the Mavs, they got off to this brutal start and everybody was kind of panicking over Luca and then they righted the ship a little bit, but the Celtics, I figured it was a similar thing. I mean, they're loaded. Like we, we've been talking about Tatum and, uh, and Brown and they just have so much talent. We figured, okay, they're the Celtics. They'll be fine, but that just hasn't happened. So how much of that do you think falls on Stevens that he hasn't been able to turn this thing around? So my, my biggest criticism for Stevens is I, I think something we, we don't discuss as much in the NBA is players balancing what the front office wants. I'm sorry, a coach is balancing what the, what the front office wants versus what they want. So like, here, here's a good example. Uh, Tristan Thompson should not have started a game for the Celtics this year, not just out of fit, like starting him next to Tice was not a good fit, um, but just off of talent. Daniel Tice, as of right now, is more talented than Tristan Thompson, but Steven started him. I think like if you could, I don't know. Are you guys Harry Potter fans? I am. I don't know about you, Jeff. I'm Harry Potter fan. Read yes. some of the books, but I I can't say that I'm a fan. <laughs> How do you read some of the books and not, not get hooked? <laughs> you didn't That's read. Like saying, you read some and not all. All right. What? I I think. Well, here's the thing. So I'm pretty sure I read seven but how many are there i feel like there was one that 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 was created after i was in like middle school or high school and i just lost it at that point who that's like saying i did a little bit of heroin never got that. <laughs> that, that, what that just had a realization that that he, he's not as high as i mean as he thought he was before we started <laughs> yeah like i'm you guys were 50 50 like in my book coming into this, into this podcast, and I was a big, I'm a bigger chip guy now. Um, <laughs> I would say most of our listeners probably are as well. Oh my God. That, like, that's like eating ice cream and being like, mm, I'm good. Like never again. Like what? It just makes no sense. So all right, in Harry Potter, you can have like a, like a, like a truth serum kind of thing where it's like a potion right. where you have to tell the truth. And if you were to take that Harry Potter potion and give it to Brad Stevens, it'd be like, did you receive pressure from the front office and from Thompson and from Thompson's agent to start him? I think he'd absolutely say yes. Like, I don't think he ever wanted to. There's no way someone as smart as Brad Stevens, as uh, smart as Brad Stevens, who has made kind of like daring moves before, like starting, you know, semi Ojale on Giannis in a playoff series, right? Like he's been bold before. I don't know why he started him. And I think it's because he got pressured and it makes sense. Like, if you're Danny Ainge, you convinced Tristan Thompson to sign on your team. It's because when you pitched him, you said, we're going to start you. And you have to keep that promise. Like you can't, you can't hurt your rep as an organization because then people are like, free agents are going to know they're going to be like, yeah, the Celtics tell you they're going to start you and they're not going to start you. Right. That's why I think he started. Um, so some of it goes on Brad Stevens. Like, is, is he playing the game? Like, should he just be more confident and brave? 
and make the the decisions that he wants to. Like, I don't know. Um, defensively, I would I would have to imagine, like, you know, um, we've heard some good Brad Stevens stories where he's not a fiery guy, but what he'll do is, like, you know, if, if he pulls you from a game and you're walking to the bench, like, when you see him whisper something and not really make a face, it's because he's going to a player and he's being like, hey, um, I just want to let you know, like, that's the worst defense I've ever seen. And, like, yeah. that's his way. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't yell it, but it actually has, like, a greater impact because it's, like, no one knows what he's saying except for him and the player. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, by the way, like, you're after, you're the worst defensive player in the league. Like, and it kind of fires him up to be better. Um, so I don't get on Stevens for being, like, not being that fiery coach. I just think he needs to stick to his guns more. And, like, defensively, I can promise you he's – talk to every single player on the team like we need to be better and trying to get into fire uh, you know get them fired up but i think a lot of it is just minutes i think they're freaking tired so <laughs> you're happy they, that he didn't go to indiana then yeah oh yeah i'm, I'm definitely <laughs> happy yeah because who, who's going to be his replacement right who, who can be better than brad stevens like regardless of how you feel about brad stevens i don't think there are many coaches i mean i can maybe think of like a couple college guys but they're not getting them like they're the celtics wouldn't be able to get jay Wright. It's not going to, not going to happen. Um, I'm happy that he's there. Yeah. And I think Celtics fans need to chill. Like you don't want to go down that road of having like Seriously. one of us coach. They have no idea how good they have it. If they exactly. really want to get rid of well, Stevens. Well, the other thing, the other part of the conversation is like, you know, Celtics fans are a little bit like Yankees fans, right? I'm a Yankees fan. So hmm. there's a little bit of entitlement there. And when you come off a season where you don't win a certain amount of games, um, like how many times, like, listen, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I, I watch enough and I, I don't feel like Aaron Boone is, is a transcendent manager or, or coach. I don't think he's a bad one either, but when there are certain seasons where the Yankees win less than 98 games, think about that, right? Like less than 98 games. And you start saying like, this guy has to go or this guy has to go like, like it's laughable in some sense. Right. And like, I think a little bit of that can be applied with Stevens. Um, you'll get, you'll get people. I think when, when the Stevens conversation comes out, you'll get people who thought he was wildly overrated to begin with. Um, and people who think people who think that comparing him with like the greatest coaches in the games was really ridiculous maybe like when he he started to kind of ascend right like when he made that rise because when he came here the Celtics weren't good right I mean like no. they they were not and like he really rode out remember the whole thing with Rondo like I, I mean like he sang Rondo's praises in the beginning and it quickly that thing quickly fell out Mm. Um, and he, he rode that situation out to the point where they've been a perennial Eastern conference contender for quite some time. Um, and I think like when you have a, an organization that's been as successful as the Celtics, like there has to be some tempered expectations with some of the down years with the fan base. Like, I think that's just a thing that's difficult and it's difficult with Yankees fans. Like you know, most likely the reason you're not winning, I would say most likely, I'm not saying it doesn't have a part to play, but most likely it's not due to the coach, unless there's just some significantly frayed relationship between the star and the coach, or there's just, you know, something going on behind the scenes. But let, 
like when it comes down to the NBA, we hear it all the time. Most people run the same stuff. Yes, you're going to see your article on Bleacher Report or The Ringer every now and then regarding the Raptors, you know, 20 different defensive sets and Nick Nurse's, you know, legendary offense or like whatever it is, right? But like most likely it's 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 not that. I don't know. So I, I would agree with you, Matt. Like I do think fans need to kind of like chill a little bit. Well, there's no like – there's no imagination in the NBA. There's only courage. Like every single play is knowable. It is everything. And it's such a copycat league. So like, you know, the inverted pick and roll this year is absolutely taking off. Like everyone's doing it. And it's why Zion is so unbelievably successful. Um, so like, if you're talking about X's and O's, you're not going to find like Moses or Jesus out of nowhere. And they're just going to like reinvent the game. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, it's about someone who can perceive the game in a way to where it's like the strategy benefits them and then implement it. And I think Brad Stevens is not, I think he's, I think he lost a little bit of his courage this year in just doing what he thinks is best for the Boston Celtics. And there is pressure from agents from front offices like that exists. So, um, and ultimately like I had, Oh man, I don't want this to be, <laughs> Okay, so I was dry. It, this story is going to make sense if you just stick with it, um, which is a terrible way to start a story, by the way. Oh, that's fine. So I was driving home from work today. I have like a 45, 50 minute commute. Um, really easy drive, but I, it, it rained in Connecticut today, and I was like, all right, I'm going to get home. I'm going to time it so that I drink a coffee when I'm like 15 minutes away from home. And um, of course I started drinking it the second I got in my car, but either way, I'm like, I'm going to get home. <laughs> I'm going to get home and I'm going to run before the rain comes. Like I want to get my workout in before the rain starts. And the, the body guys, when you're five minutes from home has a certain muscle memory where you can be in like a three hour car ride, have chugged coffee and not need to poop. But the second you get five <laughs> minutes from home, it's muscle memory. I promise you there's something going on with your brain and, and whatever is down there that signifies you're close to home. Right. Get ready. That's been the Celtics like ever since the Eastern conference finals last year, like it is hardwired in them in their muscle memory to not know what to do at the end of games. Like the same way I'm, you know, texting everyone at my home, please just don't talk to me like, have the garage door open, you know, <laughs> you know, like the same way I'm doing that. Um, the Celtics are like losing fourth quarter games. It's just, they haven't worked out that muscle memory the same way I haven't conquered that last five minutes of my drive. Um, and they don't move the ball. I, I can promise you, Brad Stevens has called timeouts. It's like, guys, keep the ball moving. Do what we do for the first 43 minutes of a game. They don't move the ball. They get stagnant. And that's why they're losing games. And like, if you're a coach, what more can you do? Like, what more can you do besides constantly tell your guys, remember, move the ball, move the rock. And you're Jason Tatum, you're a 22 year old superstar who's hit multiple game winners this season already. You might not move the ball. You're Jalen Brown, you're a first time all-star who's developed new shot creation moves. You might try and do it yourself. If you're Kemba Walker, an all NBA player signed to a max contract, you're probably going to try and do it yourself. Mm. It's like the Celtics are my, you know, 
one exit from home stomach cramp right now. Like that's, that's them. Um, And it's super painful, but they're young and you have to trust that like, they're going to learn, you know, and we're stuck in the NBA. Like we're stuck with this idea that success is linear and, you know, Bill, Bill Simmons talks about this all the time. And he's, I think he's really wrong about it. How he's like, Oh, people, you know, a superstar player, every off season, they pick one thing to get better. That's not how it works. Just doesn't work like that. Right. Like it takes time. It takes failure. It peaks and valleys and the Celtics are just in a valley and you have to trust that. Um, that's what I trust. So hopefully my, my car story in the Celtics analogy made sense. Um, if not, I'm more than happy to revisit it and give you guys more like close call photo finish poop exploits. The bubble guts reference making its way onto hoops addicts anonymous is a first and, and a high, a high point for us. If I'm another, another Durant tweet, if we, uh, making its way onto the hoops addicts right. podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, it was fantastic. I personally think you need to write that before I, <laughs> before I steal it and just you know take it as my own. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was that was great. And I think you're right, man. I, like I, I do think that like we all as fans need to take a chill pill sometimes, right? Like when your team is on the rise or if you've been successful for a while. Um, you know, we want everything now or, or yesterday, but you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not microwavable, like, especially when it comes to a process and there's a salary cap involved, there's draft picks with years of development involved. Like we do need to take it easy on that. So I think, I think the point is, is well taken for sure. Yeah. And you know, like it's going to happen with the bucks there, they fallen short in the past few years. There's no way. Giannis does not get to a finals. There's just no way. Like Middleton is absolutely filthy. I'm still trying to figure out how that dude didn't make the all-star game. He's unbelievable to watch. Drew Holiday is really good. They're going to get there. It's just stick with it. And, and yes, part of it is like kind of lowering expectations, but also just adjusting them and, and figuring out when to raise your expectations, when to lower them. Like, you know, like I know that, I need to, I need to raise my expectations for controlling my bottle movements. I know that <laughs> like I need to be better. I'm a 29 year old man. I'm a teacher. My biggest fear is like, like I'll put it this way. I should definitely have a spare change of clothes, like in my desk. somewhere. <laughs> it's criminal that I don't like, you know how many times I've gotten the lower back sweats, just teaching oh a class God. and been like, this is it. <laughs> this is happening. This is how it happens. So uh, the Celtics and myself both really have to do some reflection. It's like yeah. different the one thing, though, I would want to push back on, Chip, I also want to hear your thoughts on it as well. The only thing, Matt, I would say about Giannis definitely making it to a finals, and I agree with you for the most part, but for any team in the Eastern Conference that is watching these Brooklyn Nets, we, you know, you got to be worried about how many finals they're going to get to in a row and we can certainly sit here and say they're not ready yet. They've just been formed. You know, they just got together. But between the 76ers with Embiid and now Morey kind of at the helms and, and helping, you know, whether it's through roster construction, their spacing, the Nets that are just going to get better based on the fact that they have three future Hall of Famers um, on the squad. Man, Giannis's window, like, I really hope – it either happened, not, I mean, as a Knicks fan, I don't, but like, 
for him, if it doesn't happen this year, of course, he's still an amazing player and the team is great. The coach is great too, but well, is odds, he great? your There's odds are questions about that. Yeah. What, Bud? I, I like, I think Bud is, is pretty great, man. I, I mean, like I know Bucks fans will certainly maybe push back on that a little bit, but I mean, you know, we, we passed on him for, I, listen, I don't, I'm not saying we offered him a deal, but it was reported that Bud was interested in the Knicks. Um, and I, I, I think, I think he's a pretty damn good coach. I mean, he certainly did some good things with Atlanta too. Yeah. I, he's, a, I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I, I think he, look, he has a great system in place. And then when it gets to the playoffs, it looks like teams tend to figure it out. Like what Miami did last year. And it's, it's a, I don't know. could be a regular season team. We haven't seen them again this year with Drew Holiday. I don't know. Could be more of the same. That's what I, t- I'll believe it when I see it, that it's going to be different this year. Like I, they're talking, Zach, I hear Zach Lowe talk about how they're experimenting with doing new things on their defense. And I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it in the playoffs. But I think Giannis making the finals could also depend on how long are these nets, these three guys really going to stick together for? Are they really going to be all together on the nets in three years even? I, I This is with those three personalities. I think that's unlikely that all three of them will be there. And Giannis is younger and he could be uh, like we were talking about Dame earlier. He could be like a Dame type or a, a Russ type. He could want to be on the team for the long haul. So I don't know. We'll see. I I think Giannis seems like that kind of guy. You know, we it feels like he is anyway. He was willing to sign that extension. So I I I, I wouldn't bet against Giannis making a finals in Milwaukee. Uh guys, just for the record, um, I, I feel like an urge to say this. I hate the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I absolutely I hate like everything about them. And it, it feels good to say. It feels like I feel like that must feel like I everyone has an Italian grandparent, even if you're not Italian, who's definitely racist, but (laughs) doesn't say it in public. I feel like the Italian grandparent who finally came out and said something like hateful that like and please, like, don't confuse that. Like, I'm not racist. That's just my terrible analogy. But it's like um, cathartic to say that I hate the Nets. I, I like I hate KD. I just, I hate everything about him. I hate how he ran to Golden State. I think that's like, I think we need more of this in sports to be like, hey, you chose to not be a competitor and now you're doing it again. Yeah. I don't like Kyrie. I think Kyrie is a pseudo intellect. Um, I like, as someone who I, I'm just going off on, I'm totally using this to go off on like a Brooklyn man. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Please, as someone please, who's, go ahead. Like, I've spent, <laughs> you know, I was really fortunate. Um, when I was in, in grad school to get a grant, uh, a federal grant to do, to do research. And every weekend I drove to college park, Maryland to go to the national archives and look through different records. And I stayed in like dumpy motels. And so for some reason I kept ordering the same Chinese food, although it made me sick every single time. And I don't know why I ever changed it. Uh, huh? I said, preaching to the choir on that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, and I would try different orders, but regardless um, so crappy Chinese food, crappy motels, five hour drive, spending my weekends there. I hate when people like watch an Instagram channel and claim to like think they're smart. Like it is an actual grind 
to, to do something of worth and contribute to scholarship. I just hate Kyrie. For that. Um, James Harden, terrible human being. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic and he decided to party in his strip club and endanger all of his teammates because he didn't want to go to work. Like, I just don't understand. Am I alone on this? Like, what is your level of hate for the Nets? Can, like, I, 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 as a Knicks fan who put a lot of stock into potentially one, if not both, of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant coming here, um, to see them pick another team that was difficult. Um, I don't, I don't hate them a lot. I, I would say that there is a, a more of a general annoyance. Yeah. Um, they are the team that is going to be hated by the NBA, um, because they have three stars there and particularly how they got there. And I, and I think the James Harden trade for, for a lot of reasons of how it went down, the way that he came into Houston out of shape, the way that he played on the court. Like I it's it, both things are true, right? James Harden is a transcendent talent. Um, he also did not handle himself professionally in any way, shape or form uh, before getting traded from the Houston Rockets. Like it is okay to be upset about that. And I understand, and Chip and I actually had this conversation, I, I don't know why I'm, oh, with, um, with a guy that we just talked about regarding the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic's MVP caliber season, right? And I asked him and I said, hey, listen, if you had a vote and you couldn't vote on Jokic, would you not vote for Harden because of how he handled himself in, in Houston? And he didn't really say, give us a definitive yes or no, but like, I do think that, that weighs on people, right? Like, and that matters too. Like, I don't, I don't think, um, I mean, like he really did that franchise rough towards the end. And of course, if you're someone that supports Harden, you could say, well, you know, like what did this franchise do to put him in a position to succeed? I mean, they were a Chris Paul injury. Most people feel away from getting into the finals. So I don't, I don't personally hate the Brooklyn Nets. I do think that on some level, some of the the individual personalities and players can annoy me. Like KD's whole rant with Michael Rappaport today uh, was was frustrating and was super ridiculous. Why I is do, he not canceled, by the way? Well, like, I listen, listen, man. I, I think there's a conversation there. Like there was certainly a lot of homophobic language that he used towards Rappaport, um, and that's that's not okay. Um, yeah. I think it's because they're both assholes that everyone hates. So people <laughs> just so people. If he said that to someone that people to, if Katie had said that to anyone else, like that people liked, he would be fucked. Let's be yeah. like Michael Rappaport. Unfortunately for him, has burned yeah. about a million bridges. Yeah. No one's really looking to give him a life raft right now. Um, I would say that's that's Rappaport's unfortunate. Yeah, track. I yeah. mean, no one's sticking up for Rappaport on Twitter. Did you see anybody like, hey, what? Like, <laughs> no, no one feels bad for the guy. Yeah, no, I'm back too. I yeah, I don't think. That's I mean, listen, going to be the case. Rappaport only had one scene in the movie Hitch. That's pretty telling. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't what give my guy. Was but he it? plays. I don't even plays, remember him in this movie. Seriously, he plays Hitch's brother-in-law. Yeah, oh. he's he's oh. his buddy. Like they play pool together one night, yeah. and that's when Will Smith like goes up to that really hot girl and purposely pretends that she's a waitress. But it was like this really slick move oh, that, yeah. like, I think I have the confidence to do, but I really don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> they would just take my money and leave. Um, Chip, join the dark side. How do you feel about the Nets? Oh, I hate them. Yeah, I, I hate them. Yeah, I do. I do hate them. I especially hate uh, James Harden. I I always like I'm a huge stats guy. I'm a huge stats nerd. So I always used to like defend the Houston Rockets. I thought what they did was smart and all that shit. And then all this stuff started to come out about James Harden. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like he's he's not, this isn't just like a, a selfish style of basketball. It's like, he's just an asshole. And it's like, and now he's on the nets and look, Kevin Durant is obviously a hateable guy. Like not just for Knicks fans, for all of the NBA. And honestly, Kyrie, I'm a Duke fan. So Kyrie Irving, I, I'm never going to hate Kyrie Irving. Cause he went to Duke. I could never hate him for that reason alone, but Kevin Durant and James Harden, I can't stand. And then there's just look, I, I live in New Jersey. When the nets were in New Jersey, I, Never would have uh, hated on the Nets then. They weren't, like, not to be too rude, but they weren't relevant enough like right. to, to hate on. And right. even before those guys got there, like, when they had D'Lo and Joe Harris and uh, Damari Carroll, and they were, like, the little engine that could team. It, it, I mean, they were fun to watch then you know, mm. with Kenny Atkinson. Now they're like, you know, the fucking big bad wolf. They're a bunch of assholes. And it's like, you you want them to lose. Like, everybody wants them to lose. And I get that. That they had to build their team. Like, if you can have the opportunity to trade for James Harden and you can have the opportunity to have three, like Jeff said, three Hall of Fame players on your team, you got to go for it. And especially when Durant is clearly as even more banged up than we knew he was. But it's just, I mean, like you said, Matt, you you gotta hate him. It's it's easy to hate him. Like I think with Harden too, like yeah, you can't enjoy whistle. it. The the whistle is a big issue with Harden, right? Like he is a star, though. We have to remember that. Like he's gonna get calls. But now Trey Young is getting that kind of backlash too, right? The uh, whistles that Trey Young he's not as get. good as Harden. No, of course not. But like, but that's that's a you know, that is something that, and listen, you could call me, you could say that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hating or being bitter towards him. But to me, that affects the game, like the watchability of the game. Hawks, oh, yeah. Knicks, like, that Hawks-Knicks game was so boring. It was. Of him. But, but, because but, of him. But that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, I do think that affects the watchability of a game. Like, I don't, like, I don't know that I would say, I don't think that that argument can be parlayed or, or is parallel to LeBron. Like, I don't. I mean, I'm sure that there's been games where people watch and they're like, oh, my God, this guy gets every call. But he just does so many amazing things on the court that I, I never feel like, oh, I can't watch this game because LeBron is getting every foul call. But when you but and, you know, Harden's special move too, like when he when he's engaged in a half euro step, sticks his hands forward. Right. And then reaches up with the ball and you're going to make contact with an arm like that's a tough one where I'm just like someone's body is just kind of there and and you there's just like a certain level of incidental contact um, Lopez used to do that 
the swing yeah, under and he'd bring his arms that's up true. from under the guy. That's very true. Um, well, my, yeah. my, my issue with it is like, it just, it goes against why the game was invented. It just does like basketball is a sport where you pass the ball around and try and put it, you try and put a round thing inside of like a hollow round thing. It's not about stopping short on drives. That's not the game. It's not. It's not why people watch. It's not why people play. And you know what? When all of us were six years old in our driveway, every single one of us would count down the clock in our head, imagine hitting the game-winning shot. Not one of us ever was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop short at the free throw line, have a guy who was trailing me on a pick and roll run into my back, and then put up a shot. I'm going to swing my arms through someone to get this foul call. Like, And, and you know, the best part – the best part about being a fan is getting to be a fan. It's getting to be passionate and irrational, a little bit crazy. And, and, and we get to say, this is not the basketball I, I want to watch. So like, I, I do not like the people on Twitter who are like, Hey, it's smart basketball. You know, he's getting to the line. It's an efficient shot. Like, screw you. I want to watch good basketball. But would you, would you hate it if it was on your team? No, I'd freaking love it. I want Kevin Durant and Kyrie and James Harden on the <laughs> Of course, you'd change your tune then, yeah. So, so that's what I want. But, you know, sp- speaking of which, are the Brooklyn Nets your guys' favorite to go to the NBA Finals out of the East this year? Because I don't want to bury the lead here, but they're not mine. Um, they're so definitely mine. So when Chip, like, and, yeah. Chip and I did a preseason – podcast where we talked favorites and chip i forgot who you picked but i I actually picked philly i picked philly and the lakers to make the finals i kind of want to stay with that but i'm not gonna lie guys i think uh i think the brooklyn nets are going to make it to the finals i i just i know that team doesn't play a lick of defense but i saw lebron james take a Cavs team that was like dead last in defensive rating to the finals. And, uh, I just, I just think there's too much talent on that team. And, and unless, unless you figure out a very specific scheme coupled with like guys that are super great at recovering, have amazing length, can contest shots. Now the Sixers are a great defensive team. So maybe, maybe it can work there, but in a seven game series, I think the talent of those three guys is too much for any team in the East right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I remember my pick. I, I took the Miami Heat Yeah, to go Smart. back to the finals. Oh, yeah. you did say that. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. After It was so soon after what happened in the bubble, and I, I just thought, man, this team looks incredible. Yeah. And no, I, I'll change my pick, though. They God, if those three guys are all healthy, I just can't see how anyone can beat them. I mean, Embiid is a beast, but God, I, if – if those three guys are healthy, LeBron's the only guy that can beat them. He really yeah. is. So we'll see if he can. But, yeah, I got them coming out of the East for sure. Yeah. Listen, it, what's funny is I, I like both of your picks. Like your, So I like your, your original Philly pick, and I like your Miami pick. And I think they have the elements to do it. And not only that, like I think both Philly and Miami have the chance to play a funky game. Like yeah. you – it sucks that he got injured, but – Joel Embiid can be the best player in any of those games. The way he's been playing this year. Yeah. 
And they, there's no one on that team to defend him. Like he can absolutely dominate. Um, and in my opinion, the Sixers do have the best defensive player in the NBA in, yeah. in Ben Simmons. Simmons and yeah. Doc Rivers has the, the pedigree. He's won a championship. I think there's ingredients there. The Miami Heat, if there's one team in the NBA who not only will not back down from the Brooklyn Nets, but will actually go into every game thinking that they are the favorite, it's them. Mm-hmm. Um, Depot is a wild card, like the most wild of wild cards. Um, but I, I, love, I love their DNA um, of the Heat. So, like, I guess a better way to phrase it is I don't have Brooklyn as the favorite, but I, I would phrase it as, like, you know, hey, Matt, do you have the field? of the East or Brooklyn, I would actually take the field right now. Right. Right. So it's the old Tiger Woods or the field thing. And you got the Brooklyn Nets is Tiger Woods and you got the field instead. Which is like a great comparison overall. <laughs> because it's if you want to find reasons to hate Tiger Woods, like they're out there. It takes a 30 second Google search. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to run with that. Like I'm going to actually going to claim that. And that's going to be my my comparison. So I appreciate that. Go ahead. Let me steal that. <laughs> I just watched that HBO Max documentary on Tiger. It was, was incredible. It good? Yeah. <laughs> Still need to see that. Still need to see that. Actually, that brings us into a uh, good transition into kind of um, just some of the more fun stuff we've been trying to talk about in terms of like what we've been watching on oh, yeah. Netflix or Hulu. So Matt, you got to hit us with some of your recommendations, anything that you've been watching recently that that has been really interesting to you. I pride myself on pop culture and I pride myself in pop culture because like staying current because I use it when I teach to like build rapport with my kids. Um, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) I had a really embarrassing moment. I just started watching the newsroom and I don't know why, but I went down this rabbit hole of watching everything. Oh, why can't I think of his name? Jeff, uh, Jeff Daniels is in. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know why just decided to watch everything that he's in because I, well, I do know why I found out that he's like a classically trained actor and does like Broadway and all that stuff. So I was like, I I gotta, I gotta figure out what's up with this dude. Started watching the newsroom. Um, and I'm like four episodes in and there's, I don't Have you guys seen the newsroom? I have not. I have seen, I saw the first two seasons, I think not the whole thing. So Olivia Munn, it plays a character on the shows, uh, Sloan Shabbat. And I did not know who Olivia Munn was at all. Like, I didn't know she existed. Like, I didn't know the first name Olivia was ever paired next to Munn, which is bizarre because she dated Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, she's pretty famous. Yeah. Like, it, it would be like not knowing who Jessica Alba is. It was just and so, like, I remember looking her up and having to learn that someone's famous that you didn't know is such a weird sensation. But now I'm obsessed. I, like, there's a chance that if you had, we can guesstimate, like, all three and a half billion women in, like, one room, she might be the most objectively attractive, like, scientifically yeah. attractive. Olivia you Munn. You know what I mean? Olivia Munn. Do you know yeah, who she is, Jeff? I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and I just felt so ashamed. But so I've been watching the newsroom. It's it's a really good show. Um, it's so like relevant to everything that's going on today. It's about media and 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 all that good stuff. If you guys are media heads, um, I started Last Chance You. You guys seen oh that the basketball God. one? Yes, Jeff loves Matt. that one. Love it. Jeff loves that one. Love it. Yeah. You know why I love it? Like. 
there there's nothing and i and i and i know we joke a lot but like i i'm being this seriously there's nothing more inspiring than seeing like like a basketball coach who obviously he's 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 in a wheelchair he's he but he watches people do what he wants to do all day and instead of being like bitter he's just all about these dudes right i think that's unbelievable the dude with the bald head acting like it's the nba freaking love it like hanging the jerseys up on the in the players i always tell myself for every last chance you don't google the players after episode one i google every single player and i'm like oh god damn it like <laughs> i just i ruined the entire show that way but this is this the best last chance you we've seen well i didn't watch the football one so i i really i don't have a comparison okay a comparison point but um listen man uh, you know i told chip I, I was addicted to the show I, I probably finished the entire season in in a day and a half maybe two yeah. days um man uh coach mosley is like a, a huge inspiration to me it, you know uh, one thing he said that really resonated to me was um rules without relationships equals rebellion and that's something mm -hmm. that you know as, as someone who works with kids like mm -hmm. that is, uh, that's, that's something that I took to heart. I, it was just entertaining. It was really good. It wasn't too long. Um, I thought it was, you know, it was human. It was real. So I was all about that show, man. That's a really good one. Chip, what about you? I actually just, uh, finished a rewatch of this Hulu show called high fidelity. It's only 10 episodes. It's Zoe Kravitz starred in it unfortunately it got canceled after one season but it was like a kind of a reboot of that the movie high fidelity with john cusack but it she's recast in his role and it's she owns like a, a record store and it's it's really good it's like about her revisiting all like her past loves and how confronting her, or her reason for why she or why they dumped her and in some cases why she dumped them. And because yeah. she finds out at the beginning that her ex fiance is engaged to someone new and that sets forth, okay. this, sets forth this whole new thing. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's funny. It's entertaining. It's, and it's only 10 episodes cause they canceled it unfortunately, but it's really good. And it's got some pretty good uh, celebrity cameos too. So I have an app idea that I need, I need your help with. I want to invent an app called like, can I watch this with my mom? Like, will there be <laughs> awkward sex scenes? Will there be like, you know, games of Thrones style gore? Wow. Can I watch this with my mom? High fidelity. I probably wouldn't watch it with your mom. Okay. No. <laughs> that's, that's one of the actual ratings we can give on my app. I probably, <laughs> Chip says, I probably wouldn't watch it. Um, so I have, I have one last thing I can leave you guys with that a student said to me the other day. And like, I thought my brain was going to become like soup and fall out of my nose. So she goes, she goes, mystery in the word scent, like, I picked up a scent of whatever is the S or the C silent. Blew my mind. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And she knew she got me right away. She asked this question, not looking for an answer. She asked it to make me look dumb. And I was like, yeah, you, you won. You did it. <laughs> like, It's the C, right? Well, is it though? 
Because is because cent is spelt S E N T. No, but cent if it's money is spelled C N T, and it sounds the same way. It's tough. Right? So oh, fuck. I don't know. We we had this whole, I, you know. I so of course I had to tell all my faculty at lunch, and we had this big discussion. Like we were going into like uh, like the German roots of words, and they were yeah. like, "No, like yeah." If it's a hard C, I'm like, when? Why would it be a hard C? We're not saying skent. Like, and it was just so funny how like wow. they're like, no, but it's from a romance language. I was like, I don't, I don't care what language it's from. Like, give me an answer. It was wow. so funny. That is a, that's a pretty good one. Uh, you may have, you may have pushed me down into a rabbit hole. I mean, after we get yeah. off, I might have to look into that. Yeah, we all just um, stood at each other and stared. For like- <laughs> there was a solid pause there. There definitely was. Um, That's what I was going for. Yeah, dude, this was this was great, man. Um, Matt, as always, you know. But before we log off here, before we we wrap up, you could just let everybody know where they can find your stuff on Twitter. If sure. you're working on anything now and you want to promote, please do so. Sure. So um, as always, always a blast um, coming out with you guys. My, my favorite podcast to go on to. Uh, you can find me at Matt Esposito underscore. Um, I'm trying to load up on different scouting reports. Um, I think we're going to have one on some Gonzaga guys coming out. Gonzaga or Gonzaga? What do you say? What would you say? Gonzaga or Aga? I, I say the first one. Yeah, I think I go Aga. I think I go Gonzaga. Now I'm I just feel like that's the first way I heard it said on TV. I don't know whether it's correct or not. I just feel like when they started becoming popular, that's the way people. No, it. maybe it is Gonzaga. I, I don't know. I've said it both ways so many you, times. You kind of did a mix right there. You, yeah. you, you did a little. I like that. I don't know how you did yeah. that. Um, but either way, I'm going to have some stuff coming out on that hopefully soon. And um, that's it. Yeah, it's it's a good time to be a basketball fan. We got a bunch of good stuff going on. It is. It is indeed. Um, okay. With with that said, Matt, of course, be well. Um, we will talk to you guys soon. For everybody else listening, hope everybody is staying safe. We will talk to you guys soon.